Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends of the pod, to another episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening to part one, where we talked about of this series for, for this Thanksgiving this year, where we talked about Rogue One, a Star Wars story from 2016. And this is when we talk about Solo, a Star Wars story from 2018. It is the Han Solo prequel. Uh, it was not well-received critically, but fans actually had quite high opinions of this overall. And we're going to talk about why and, and what factored into all this um, impression and also sort of the ending of disney in at least in the near future being willing to put out a theatrical one-off film of star wars so with me well of course i am your host colton classic films a podcast head film critic and comedian nate wyckoff i also have with me mandy longley how are you doing mandy i'm struggling with my mute button but i am fine <laughs> this evening thank <laughs> That's you good that's good. We also have Tad Mastrani, our, our resident Star Wars expert. How are you doing, Tad? This is normally where I'd put in a stupid Star Wars quote, and I'm just going to say, no, fuck you. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Tad, Tad is, uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time uh, or the first time on our Star Wars episodes, Tad is a a, a recovered Star Wars uh, addict. He's he's off the wagon, yet he still has a wealth of information, and I force him to be here every time you, we talk you, about Star yeah, Wars. You don't, you don't let me like quit forever. No, I'm handing him the packets of Star Wars meth every time. Uh, so, yeah, and I, of course, am a big Star Wars fan. So we're going to talk about this. I so, so Solo. Now, doing a prequel story, Star Wars as a franchise is no stranger to prequels. Doing a prequel for a beloved character uh, that, that actually is well fleshed out um, in the films to an extent is is kind of tough for anybody. Uh, and Ron Howard has the credited with the directorial chair here. And we'll talk about why I say it that way. Um, but Han Solo, I mean, yes, you could argue the prequel trilogy is, I mean, it is the origin story of Darth Vader as a character, but in a lot of ways, Darth Vader ceases becoming around character when he becomes Darth Vader. Uh, it, you know, his, the character of Anakin really does die because we don't get any internal thoughts or things like that until the very end of the original trilogy. And it's, it's minor. Uh, but Han Solo, we get throughout the original trilogy and we feel like we can follow him pretty well. He's like the smuggler, cool guy, 
uh everybody wants wants every every young boy wants to be him when they see star wars uh he's cool you know the um i love you i know like the the ultimate like cool character kind of a jerk but everybody loves him because he's so cool uh harrison ford of course playing him and his sidekick chewbacca the tall wookiee uh played by peter mayhew but not in this uh he was played by somebody else um for for age reasons uh but i think he does a good job but anyway the plot of this movie is actually a new story that we did not really have any indication of from the pre-existing star wars films uh in this story han solo is a a, a youth uh with a a love interest uh both of whom are sort of <laughs> to to go back to do children of um a city of lost children a french film which i'm sure we'll talk about someday here they're like dickensian orphans on a spaceport planet who steal stuff for an angry um like water centipede lady mon motha i think who actually i guess has a real small part in one of the prequel children movies i do not remember her but she was in there apparently but anyway so uh they han at this point in the opening has stolen a piece of space space shuttle fuel that he is enough to bribe him and his girlfriend out of uh the this place and then they're going to hop some sort of freighter ship get off planet and they should have enough you know wherewithal to get themselves some money get a ship and then han can be the pilot he always wants to be and they can be free but what happens is is he gets through and she's caught and so he then spends the next few years uh trying to make it in the empire military enough so i guess he can get a ship but he's not happy with it because you know it's war it sucks <laughs> he's in the foxholes he's following people who keep getting killed and uh anyway we follow his exploits as he tries to get his way back to planet now there are spoilers in this movie there are some little twists uh i i don't think it ruins the movie to know them but if you haven't seen it and you want to go watch solo uh, star wars story and then come back and we'll talk about it but uh carrying right on here han meets some other thieves they sort of train him he meets he frees chewbacca who is enslaved at one point along with him as uh, uh in the empire's army and then they go through this whole thing to find lo and behold his ex-girlfriend uh who was stuck behind has climbed the ranks of a very dangerous uh war they're not war they're a gang basically a space gang that works for the Ma empire it's the space mafia it's the space mafia it's the <laughs> yeah it's a crime syndicate thank you which is which is well established in star wars canon at this point right i mean um the huts ha run them as well there were um, many many crime syndicates and the huts were just the top of the food chain yeah and i do love that this reveal nearing the end at the end really that uh it's because it's called the crimson cults not crimson cult that's a boris Krolock movie Dawn. but the crimson, crimson dawn crimson because, dawn because there's a spoiler at the end of the movie that ties everything together somehow. right the head of crimson dawn is darth maul uh which is so cool to see ray parker get to deliver lines with emotion as darth maul so know, worth right? it I i'm sorry so worth it, it. we that, only had to wait was... like 20 goddamn years for it to happen ray park never gets a freaking break and I, I say that jokingly in a way because of <laughs> course he's you know was one of the best stuntmen and, and 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 like he gets to he's been some great characters including the headless horseman uh with you know the body to christopher walken's head in sleepy hollow etc 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 but uh anyway <laughs> back to back to the story um she's actually uh climbed the ranks there 
Now there's every there's there's twists and turns with the characters backstabbing each other throughout. Uh, there's lots of side characters that, much like what we talked about last week, die. Uh, but I like this movie a lot, and I'm going to tell you the difference when characters die in this movie. It kind of illuminates both the world and also the character motivations of everyone else on screen. Whereas Rogue One characters die just to further, just to basically say, don't worry about them anymore. The plot's over here. Um, that's pretty much how it happens. And then at the end, wait, everybody's going to die. Well, we're going to make sure you know that because they're going to die before the planet blows up and then the planet's going to blow up to double make sure. But it's not like that. They actually die with some sort of import uh, imparted to the characters, like a learning uh, character development element. Um, it, I, I want to go over real quick before we get to opinions and things. The cast, um, uh, Alden uh, uh, Ehrenreich, uh plays Han Solo. I was very skeptical going in um, because a still shot of him doesn't necessarily, it didn't, I mean, he's clearly a different person, but he's younger than Harrison Ford was at the time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I actually think they did, they went out of their way to do angles and shots and have line deliveries that really did scream Harrison Ford to me uh, quite a bit. It was very much a Chris Pine as uh, James T. Kirk, where I'm like, of course, it's not the same person, but these are solid nods to it. And it, it makes me feel proud about that. And Tad's giving a nod. Um, so it's anyway, I thought a few times when I give JJ credit. For, yeah. for doing well with J.J. Abrams, yes. Um, of course, now to be as his as his soon to be thief sort of mentor, we have Woody Harrelson as Beckett. Woody Harrelson, I, I love as an actor. I think he's fantastic. Um, he he really kills it in these mentor roles. You know, he did it in Hunger Games, and he's done it over and over again. Um, yes, it's a bit it's of a pity. Steve off really strong Zombieland vibes. Zombieland, of course. Uh, he's you know he's he does it really well because. He's kind of, I mean, it's funny to watch his career thinking back to like Cheers. He always played like for a long time, the dopey kid. But then like, as he grew up, I mean, he's a, he's a big guy. He's kind of imposing compared to other people just because of his size. And he delivers things really well. And he has like these ice blue eyes and a little bit of like an underbite delivery. Just, I mean, it makes him kind of that perfect world weary uh, mentor, you know, the, 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 the reticent mentor kind of vibe. And, and he does a good job. Amelia Clark, of course, everybody's going to say, oh, it's it's Dionysus or um, Dionysus, whatever, Game of Thrones. I, the the dragon bitch. Yes, um, uh, as as Kira, the love interest. Uh, Donald Glover takes over as Lando. Daenerys? <laughs> yes. That's Daenerys, me. thank you. Okay. Um, my apologies to Game of Thrones fans, but at this point in the pod, you probably know how I feel about Game at of Thrones. At this point, Game of Thrones fans have, uh, have they, they can't be offended by anything now. Well, you know. Um, so <laughs> uh, that's, you know, I mean, everybody can have their fandom. I'm totally fine with it. But we get Donald Glover taking over um, for Lando Carlison. This is one that I was really like, not sure. I mean, I like Donald Glover a lot. Uh, and I was like, I think he's very creative and has some really cool stuff in his repertoire between music and uh, and and acting and et cetera. I just, I didn't see him stepping into this role. And, you know, I actually thought he did the right job. I mean, you can only go so far when you have a distinct, I mean, he has, he has a very distinct, like in real life, he seems to have a really distinct sort of walk and stance. He has sort of a protective, like a little bit of a hunch, like uh, like a bit of a nervous 
look about him which hey as you know he was a young black man i probably in this country would be nervous all the time too but just he has a physicality that that uh is unique to him and when you have that kind of thing you're like well i i guess i'm just gonna i, I can't be the exact person that this other actor was whereas um you know with solo they really tried to stick it close they do some nods to billy d williams uh original lenda Carlisian. Uh, but then they they give a lot more space to sort of develop his own physicality in this role. I'm not against it. Uh, I thought he did okay. Uh, in fact, I I think that if because if you're not going to really do a Billy D. Williams like lookalike essentially, then you might as well go a little different. You know, um, think. You th mm -hmm. So do you think uh, you know you know how I would have done it if I was mm -hmm. going to audition someone to play a young Lando Calrissian? make them do a Colt 45 commercial. Whoever right. does the best Colt 45 commercial gets the role. So that yeah. means somewhere Donald Glover did a Colt 45 commercial that has not been aired and we need to see that. Um, I, I actually wouldn't be shocked about this um, because <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I think especially, especially at the time Billy Dee Williams. I mean, yeah, that that was that was what he was known for. They became so Cole Forty Five became so sort of synonymous with Billy, synonymous with Billy Dee Williams commercials that I think a lot of people were like thought of Cole Forty Five first, Lando Calrissian second. Um, back then, sure, back then for sure. <laughs> um, and I, I, yeah, so I, I'm not. I wasn't mad at him at all. Uh, and and they do have you. You can, by the way, see uh, Colt 45, a can of Colt 45. I was looking for it, which is why I was looking down if you're watching the video. <laughs> um, they, in one of the press tour interviews, that somebody actually gave him a Colt 45 yes! uh, uh, as, a, as a gift. To, and it was, someone has to have filmed it. It must oh, be Oh, they did. It's online. You can find it on YouTube. I did uh, not know this existed. Shit, now I need to go It does. It. it does. Um, so we have him. He's, uh, he's as I said, great. Um, Thandie Newton plays Val, who is uh, the love interest of Woody Harrelson. Now, Thandie Newton is an incredible actress. She has a great voice. Uh, I'm sort of obsessed with her these days as um, the one of the hormone monsters on the animated show Big Mouth, Nick Kroll's show on Netflix. Go check it out. She plays uh, the English uh, sounding hormone monster. It's a delight. Uh, and just knowing the people that are actually delivering the, the insane lines they have them say is totally great. We have uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, of course, uh, epic um, creator of... Uh, Killing Eve and um, more successfully. Um, what, why am I blanking on these names? If everybody's listening to our episodes lately, I, I do blame it on COVID. I think I've got COVID fog, like hangover, like they say that some people get it, and it does. Um, uh, it's Fleabag. Thank you, Jeez Louise. A one woman show, Fleabag, that became a very successful uh, and quite engaging Amazon Prime streaming show she does the voice of lando's uh l337 which by the way is leet guys if you look at it it's leet um Lame. i actually loved her i actually loved her character though um she she plays yet another droid this one is like the droid that is really angry and basically she has this great discussion um with the, <laughs> with uh kira where she's like uh so what are you gonna do about 
the guy, he loves you, you know, like, don't worry, I, I totally understand. Lando's in love with me and, and I don't feel the same. Sometimes I think maybe, but it's not going to work. Like it's this, this, this was a risk, frankly, like having like, this was something Star Wars hasn't seen, right? Is this, um, this, this man droid uh, romance. And I love the way they approached it. And it really, it, it really is reminiscent of, older films where uh with with gay relationships where like you know that it was a really ballsy moment when a character came out as clearly gay uh at, to another person and i loved it i really did love that i thought that was fun um you think this is risky shit in star wars nate you clearly haven't read enough novels uh it did listen disney <laughs> does not give two shits about the novels okay I they know were they all don't. they were I all know. They were all excited that they had background characters kiss who could have been the same gender. Like it's, it's a lot. We also have Paul Bettany playing Dryden Voss, the 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 big bad guy of the Crimson Dawn for for most of the movie, uh, <laughs> who who Kira is the assistant to. Now Paul Bettany, I love Paul Bettany. He's a delight. Of course, everybody knows him as Vision from the Avengers films uh, and from Wand and Vision, but also he played Chaucer in. Um, uh, why am i why is that the heath ledger movie help me out mandy this is the only reason that i showed up is just to like I, fill in the blank thank you i today. trust yeah. me i've got plenty of blanks right now i kept thinking first <laughs> night i'm like it's not first night what's the other one um yes it's awesome he like he like there were like like bits and pieces of that chaucer character that kind of came through in solo but mm -hmm. like it like he actually looked or like had any of those mannerisms but i was just it's probably just him as a person yeah but i enjoyed it for this just because of the previous role honestly sure no when sure. i watch movies um, it's all about what people have been in before and like how you're not alone though you're like, not alone yeah um we also i gotta say so people will recognize some things now that maybe they didn't at the time um aaron kellyman plays enfis nest who's the rival the rival thieves that keep giving uh woody harrelson's character problems and cause the death of, of his beloved and etc uh she you might recognize her as the 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 bad character who takes super soldier serum and leads uh, an army of, of bratty super soldier kids in <laughs> captain uh, and falcon and the winter soldier um which by the way i actually think was a pretty decent series maybe we'll talk about it one of these days let us know if we should on our socials or colton classic uh podcast at gmail.com but <clears throat> so anyway so there's a good cast also we get uh we dion warwick uh who who pops into this now dion warwick has played um uh, ewoks he's been in several star wars movies um uh, i'm sure you know I, I don't know one of the writers by the way of uh I, actually okay so we'll get into the production of this in a minute so I'll, I'll hold on that but there's a lot of fun people in this movie and i guess and it, it gives us a lot the cool thing about this is it gives us new moments things we haven't seen before in star wars in my opinion that rogue one didn't but also we get actual like kind of fun clever things that explain things in the future like how solo got the millennium falcon from lando carlissian how it's that weird ground where it is actually legitimate that he got it because Lando's trying to has been cheating at cards. And when the, it's a very Western moment, the card isn't there that he thinks is going to be there because Han knew. Uh, 
that he was cheating. And so he gets the Millennium Falcon. But we also learned that the Millennium Falcon's like navigational system was taken from the dead body of uh of of Leet, of of Lando Carlissian's robot lover. And that makes it even more insane. That really does put the seed in as to why I also, regardless of whether I cheated or not, I would not be a fan of Han Solo after he knowingly stole this, you know, partial relic of my my dead love. So it's an interesting moment. We also get to see some cool things like a giant eldritch horror space squid getting sucked into a gravity well. That was kind of fun. Um, yeah, Mandy's giving giving big fists up. It was awesome. That was amazing. It goes like, into like a cool. black hole. Like Yeah. So it was coolest. cool too because I love that they're like they're calling it the Maw. They don't know what it is, but they know this yeah. area is called the Maw. And then they fly in and there's this giant creature. And they're like, is that the Maw? And they're like, no, I don't know what that is. Yeah, which is a delight. Over there. <laughs> which is a super delight. Um and yeah. uh, it, uh, it, um oh never mind, I lost the thought. It was just uh it was just really, really super cool. Yeah, so I mean, and, and I, I, I agree. I like there's lots of moments like that, which are very they're just very aware of the property. And yes, they're giving us things that, that we may have seen to a point, but they're giving and then, it. And in then a, like in the original, way. they say like it's the ship that made the Kessler run in X amount of time. And, and then so like yeah. this whole movie is just explaining like that little tiny line. Right. That run <laughs> like, is getting totally. is getting this unrefined starship fuel to a refinery in yeah. the time before it explodes because it's unstable right. and then they see nobody can do it. Now, of course, yeah. there's all these things like well, parsecs or distance, not not time, etc. Blah blah blah. Well, ult eat it. ultimately, that's why when Han said it, everyone's like, "Who fucking cares?" Yeah. Look at what whoop, whoopity do you ran you 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 uh you drove a truck whoopity shit. Thanks, well, and that's the lovely part is it is it, it's a trucker moment, right? Like this is this was done in the 70s all the time with trucker movies, right? We got to get yeah. this here in this amount of time. I mean, it's a cannonball run, um, uh, not a cannonball. Well, it is a cannonball run thing. But yeah. So anyway, um, Smokey and the Bandit, the whole deal. Um, <laughs> but we get we get a lot of fun side characters um we get you know Woody harrelson's gang at the beginning that that mostly die and it's pretty sad very western themed in that way you know you get the the whole plan this the the whole heist falls apart and then you just have the new kid and the old hand who teaches him you have and then again guys spoilers here but the moment when yes you could potentially see it coming but the moment when it turns out that at the end Woody harrelson's character beckett has sold out han solo and then you find out that Han Solo took his advice not to trust anyone. And it's this great, like, coming of age moment for Han, right? Because we know him in the future as, like, this really great under-the-table dealing con artist, uh, smuggler. And this is truly the coming of, like, the learning moments for him to become that character, which is what you want in a prequel, right? I mean, I want to see things that matter... And there's a lot of characters in this that could pop up elsewhere. And in the extended universe, not just the non-canonical, but the stuff like the comics that are considered canonical at this point, um, they do have a lot of tie-ins to this movie. Kiran, who is his love interest, who, by the way, that part did make people sad in the theater. Because at the end, he thinks she, she saves him from uh, Voss, kills her boss. Uh, and then she's like, go get chewy and get the fuel whatever and then we'll go well she leaves because she instantly calls darth maul and is like 
basically a power play. I'm the new Voss, and I'm going to go meet Darth Maul. So she's working with uh, the Crimson Dawn still because she is, as Beckett says, a survivor, whereas Han Solo is different. Uh, he will do the right thing, even if he fights against it, uh, as far as you know, he's ethical in that way. And we see that in uh, the New Hope trilogy right he comes back he brings the cavalry he comes back with the millennium falcon um it's it's really a nice moment and i love that we get this sort of unrequited love story that really doesn't follow the the traditional thing that hollywood would have done here is he finds her they get together they go through this whole thing and then she sacrifices herself to save him and she dies and oh and that's why he's cold and whatever but no she's a total boss bitch like, she's like, no, my career is important to me. I'm not going to lose it even for this guy that I really like. Like, no D is derailing me from climbing this corporate ladder. Uh, and I loved it. I loved that element. Um, I thought that that she did a great job as well, Amelia Clark. Um, and she's keeping up that tradition of people in Star Wars universe having uh, English accents for no clear reason when no one else does and vice versa. Uh, she's keeping that trend alive, which is fun. So let's let's get into the 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 background of of issues that Hans that Solo had. So this movie was in production for a while, and we got uh, ultimately we got Ron Howard as a director, but that's not who originally was working on production in this movie and shot a great deal. Uh, that didn't make it into this cut. Um, some of it did, uh, but a lot of it didn't. And that's, uh, I, I guess this was, this is Disney's mistake. I blame it on them. And I'm going to talk about why, as soon as I find my, my notes here, because so Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, uh, who, who are a writing and directing pair generally, uh were working on solo they had what they called irreconcilable differences way into production lots of stuff in the can um with with uh both a producer and i believe it was it was one of the castans uh because the the script was written by jonathan and lawrence castan uh, another writing pair and and they so they left um this it had real strong like readings of the super mario brothers film the the original not the current chris pratt 3d animated one that's coming out right where you had cast members who were not happy with the creative team in charge you had lots of anger issues going on i mean it's disney and they do a pretty good job of keeping things under wraps but the vibe that came out from people on the know people in set crew members teamsters etc was that there was a lot of conflict involved, not just between the producers and screenwriters and this pair, but some of the some of the talent uh, in front of the camera also. I don't have any hard details on that. You can go scour Reddit as well as I can. Uh, but there there were issues. Now, I'm gonna say this. Chris Christopher Miller and and Phil Lord, I don't know why Disney brought them in for this movie um because they've written a lot they've directed some i'm gonna just say the only film that i truly enjoyed that they've made was the lego movie 
And that's not a dig. That's a great film. It's a lot of fun. It's very smart. And I loved it. Um, but I mean, I could not give two shits about 22 Jump Street. I don't care. It, not only is it a reboot of something that I didn't really love to begin with, it only had novelty factor because of its casts and their futures. I I shouldn't say that. It was fun for the time, but I, I didn't care about it. And apparently a lot of the issues between the production and screenwriters is that they did not want to make this in a traditional film way. They wanted to have a lot of crazy film effects. They wanted to do a bunch of weird stuff and sort of comedic elements put in. And that's not what Disney at this point was looking for and i think that's probably a valuable choice so they went with ron howard uh who actually had been approached to direct uh, phantom menace believe it or not and turned it down he said it was too much he didn't want to do it um and he directed this and and did it in a very straightforward competent smart established like film norm way and guess what good because it's a strong script sometimes things that are flashier are worse okay and if you ham fist in i mean i'm sorry i i was just reading like through the comments from people involved and what they're talking about i was getting unhappy memories of um uh, ayer's suicide squad where production got involved and kept saying things like add more comedy do this add this had a cutaway not necessarily in the filmic style but don't ruin a product with comedy. If the comedy is native to the product, it's going to work. If you're shoehorning it in or you're trying to over uh, sort of overproduce the product for a comedic or wild effect, you may not succeed. And in a case like this, where it's like if Spielberg, um, you know, instead of taking over from Stanley Kubrick when AI uh, was was near completion, if he'd handed it off to, I don't know, Ivan Reitman. Like, I'm not saying anything against Ivan Reitman as a director. I'm saying that it would have been tonally completely wrong for the that's project. Not his, that's not his speed. Holy shit. <laughs> right. It would have been a nightmare. And I don't see Lord and Miller doing Solo in the way that it ultimately was done. Yet I see Solo as sort of a resurgence in the classic adventure vibe that star Wars excels at, right? It's an adventure movie. Tad, what do you feel about that? I almost feel like you're, you're imagine the way, the way you're describing it. It almost sounds like what if they had done solo in the style of big trouble in little China, which probably wouldn't have worked, but I would have been on board until I saw the train wreck afterwards. And I'd been like, this was yeah. a terrible idea. Well, anyway, yeah, you're right. That actually is is pretty good parallel. It makes me think of what we got with Super Mario Brothers, which is, I will still, as a Super Mario Brothers oh. movie, it's terrible, but I love it. Um, as, as an it, adult, it's one of it's one of those movies. No, I, even as a child, I loved it because even yeah. as a child, I was like, this is absolute batshit, and I love. I remember it. I being in the theater, and I remember this little kid saying out loud to his mom, "Why did the lady stab Yoshi?" Like it's <laughs> like that. That's the memory that sticks out. Like it's a wild movie. And by the way, guys, if you haven't seen um, the the uh, the recut the recut version, um, the restored cut that is online, we're going to talk about it on this pod uh, in the near future. Oh my Go God. check it out. So great. So much awesome. So much awesome work that the community okay. put in for that. I have um, to revisit that. So so anyway, uh, so, so yes. Now I did not watch this movie 
for two years because the last jedi is where my my love of star wars actually died i still to this day have not seen the rise of skywalker i will not watch it unless it's part of this podcast in which we'll case do I it will, on this pod but yeah. i will either call in sick or i will curse nathan's name all the way through the week that i have to do it because i'm gonna fucking hate it but um i was pleasantly surprised because again i think i maybe um maybe i'll piggyback on what you said nate i think that this movie was poorly placed in where the movies were being put in. I feel like if this had been one of the introductory movies into new Disney Star Wars, it would have been a massive hit because one, it start this movie definitely tries really hard to be a sort of nexus for where some of the TV shows were going. Like mm-hmm. uh, there are Clone Wars tie-ins, there are Rebels tie-ins, there are tie-ins to the sequels, the prequels, uh, and, and the original all all in this movie not only that there are actual actual tangible callbacks for nerds like me to the original stories mm-hmm. that this is based off of there is actually one of zim the despot's mastheads in this movie as in acknowledging that zim the despot which i believe i've referenced in a prior podcast which was from a 1980 uh, the, the 1980 Han Solo trilogy novels, which was basically just Indiana Jones in space doing things with Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. But it worked real well because it established that Solo had an actual reputation before the movies started. And this made a distinct call to that. But not only that, there are some legit, like as, as someone who grew up on the old extended universe, there are some legit, like they actually went back, did their research and went, yes, we acknowledge this. We put this in. This is what they should have been doing in the first place. The Maw is... And what real. they're doing now yes, with a like, lot of the series. Yeah. Yes. Like the, the Maw is legit. Like I will bless the Maw. They did that correctly for the most part. The Maw was a cluster of black holes. There was no big old monster back in there. It was just that the black holes were so tight uh, and, and close together that the gravity wells were almost impossible to navigate. That's why in the novels, it was impressive that Solo navigated them because he knew hyperspace routes that would actually squeeze through there. And it was incredibly dangerous to do so, which gave him a little bit of cred. In this case, it's like big monster. I evaded a big monster. And we and we don't know. I mean, they they clearly didn't expect the big monster to be there. So likely it was just passing through. That's got to happen in space, right? So, and also it's a nice sort of nod to- I'm sorry, but like just to talk about, I remembered what we were talking about with the monster before. Um, Did they say at one point in the movie that they were vacuum breathing monsters? Or did I mishear them? Because I I couldn't go back and watch it. I don't remember. Because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make sense, but I mean- It it doesn't? have to be- (laughs) It would have to serve maybe. I mean, it's sort of like a layman's understanding of like, well, the space is a vacuum, so it's got to breathe vacuum, right? Like, I mean, it doesn't yeah. work that I mean, way, but it has it, to survive that way. In 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 technical jargon, it makes sense that the monster like absorbs cosmic rays as its metabol like for its metabolism. Like, sure, but you don't really need to which would also that in Star make Wars. sense as to why it's near black holes because right. it's pulling in a lot of debris. But we're getting yeah. super nerd on that. Sure, uh, yeah, okay, and that's my but, job. It's yeah. my but job anyway. to get super nerd with this. <laughs> but yeah, so, so and, and what's interesting, because we talked about Rogue One. So Rogue One had a lot of Easter eggs and it pulled a lot of things from the film 
canon of Star Wars. Yes. Even using an old reel, right? That and, and piecing it together in, in shots. Whereas Solo, like you said, pulls from tons of expanded universe snippets and nuggets, which I love because as you said, there is so much cool shit out there. Yeah, there were some not good books also, but there were lots Definitely. of cool things. And what happens is, is when you're doing canon like this, it's like how Harley Quinn is canon in Batman now, but Harley Quinn was not from the comic books. Harley Quinn was originated in the Batman, the animated series and was so great that they pulled uh, the character into, uh, into the comics and now it's part of the comics. So you can do that, right? If you have a canon, that's kind of one of the, it's the good thing about canon. It's when you have a canon and you have all this other shit outside of it, you can pull things in as you please. So when great things happen, it's yours now. You can put it in the canon. So when when Disney erroneously said that uh, the expanded universe is no longer canon, well, yes, that's true to an effect, but it's not all of the expanded universe, right? They can choose or introduce characters however they want. It's essentially a reboot uh, where they're keeping some of it. It's like DC does this all the time. So does Marvel, right? Um, you reboot a timeline, but really you're saying you're still like, oh, well, Joker's still around and I'm not going to reintroduce him. So you're keeping what you want. You toss out everything else. And Solo is where we got to see that they can pull things in from the extended universe and make it a richer universe for it, which is right. something The Mandalorian does a lot of too. Yes, this movie did pretty much spot on the 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 whole Sabak uh card game where he wins the Falcon. That's that's been around for almost 40 years. The uh uh the only thing that they changed as far as I'm concerned when it comes like when it comes to the root of Solo's origin is yes he was essentially a a, a a washout of the Imperial Academy but they changed how it went because there is I actually know this stuff there's actually a planet called Carida which is in now in legends and in, in the actual canon it, they just kind of changed how it is but it is an Imperial it is basically like um the the west point of the empire like that's where the cream of the crop stormtroopers are essentially trained and that place was a stronghold there was there was like even even when the republic when the new republic was back in power they were like there's no way we're ever going to take that planet it's just it's too well defended it's literally a training hub for all for like the the best stormtroopers there were however you wanted to find the best stormtrooper but han solo <laughs> washed out of that academy it's just that they don't reference that washout. And as a matter of fact, in the extended universe, at some point, Carida is exploded by a super weapon, which is related to the Maw. So they did a really good job of kind of tying it in, kind of changing the story, but keeping it within the bounds of how the original story was told. I was impressed throughout this movie. It's, I know, Nate, it's surprising that this isn't higher in my tier of Star Wars movies, but it was, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. I think... Given time and healing, this might climb my list, but um, and th the reason Rogue One sits so highly for me is because it's more original trilogy, and that's where typical. That's where I grew up. Like the extended, the, the extended stuff. It's it's great and all, but like a movie that can call back to the originals and do it well will always 
sit higher with me than an origin story where I didn't necessarily need a story. I don't need Solo's origin story to flesh his character out because his character was well fleshed out. Was it nice and flavorful? Yes, it was like cheesecake. I didn't need but it. You, but but you needed the origin story of a two inch by one inch disc that we never even see the plans of. You needed that. When I was when I was 12, 13, yes. Yes, not, I did. Not, I needed so I needed to know I, the manufacturer of that I'm, disc. I'm teasing you, uh, of course. <laughs> but yeah, something else. So I, I like, though, too, that they also tried to not just the extended universe and give nods to the original trilogy, but they tried to give where Rogue One continually seems like it's trying to play like, look, it's a real war. We actually get the most realistic war scene in Solo, probably, um, with the uh, the sort of you know D Day reference, right? Where where Solo is essentially just sort of barely surviving mortar shells. And what's crazy about it is that's what canonically uh, and in the extended universe, frankly, and realistically, the Empire would mostly be made of is soldiers like that, just soldiers, not stormtroopers just soldiers they were, they were phasing clones out and they needed to get a lot of people recruited as quick as possible right and just like you would in any war that's on a galactic scale so it makes sense and i liked that moment too um and so we can move into recommendations i think i just i find so i mean mandy i didn't ask you yet what was your expectation i mean did you see solo in theaters what was it like watching it this time man i honestly it's weird i don't remember I think I must have seen this in theaters because I'm enough of a Star Wars nerd and surrounded by enough of a constellation of other Star Wars nerds that I would have been dragged in to see it or seen it like pretty soon after. I was it like the maw of Star Wars fans. It's like kind of where I live right there. Um, but like it, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't remember being upset by it, but I feel like I sort of feel like about this one, the way Nate felt more about Rogue One is like, this one didn't really excite me. And I don't know if it's because of the casting in this one so much. Like I said, I was kind of thinking like Zombieland, like was this like Zombieland slash Star Wars um, versus like, then there's just like people who I don't recognize like in the main roles, which sometimes is great if like the whole film has like a very clean slate feel to the casting. But when you start like mixing up with these like huge names, and I know it's Star Wars and that's what they do. But like you mix it up with these like really huge names and then like people that you don't recognize and it just feels really unbalanced to me. I kind of start losing it just from, you know, a layman's perspective. Like I'm just like, I like I kind of don't like it doesn't feel even to me of like what I am seeing on the screen. But like overall, it's a super fun ride. Like. Tad said it's like cheesecake. Like I wasn't upset watching any of this. I didn't overanalyze any of it while I was watching it. It's got some fun things, things that you're gonna recognize from the overall Star Wars universe. It's really great to see like the characters that are so lovable from the original three movies. Uh, it's sort of like oh, this is what they were like in high school, or you know like. <laughs> yeah. really need Very the backstory much. but like look at those they're cheeky hijinks like you know oh, oh like here's your wicked cool ship that you have to keep locked up because everyone wants to steal it and you've got a boot on it it's booted, like, yeah. you, you need to break <laughs> out your you know like but playing it like so cool like oh yeah like it's totally on purpose um so it's like fun it's just like 
you know, don't overanalyze it. I guess with anything with Star Wars, don't overanalyze it because it's just like space western slash war film. Yeah, that's and what I've been trying to say for years always, now. It's like shit. I always stop thinking about it. Has been. It always has been. Um. And it, and it continues to be such. And this one was a fun one. And I, I mean, I love the scene with the capes. We're like, oh yeah, trying on Lando's capes. And I think he's like, she's putting a fire out with the capes. He's like, no, that's like a custom. That's custom made. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's funny because like... <laughs> you keep using the word fun with this. And that's something that I've always felt about Star Wars. And that's something that I didn't like about Rogue One. It's not fun. Yeah, it's not Nothing fun. about yeah, it is true. fun. Um, there's zero and in interest in fun at all. Um, and I think mm -hmm. whereas solo, you know, uh, I liked it cause it does expand the universe for me. There's a lot mm -hmm. more things to see. Um, but also it's, it's where it, and frankly, it's funny because as you said, like it's, it's actually where Tad, you kind of mentioned this. It's actually where star Wars is now, which, mm. which is popular. And yet, it for some reason was not successful in theaters to the extent that Disney wanted. And it really is. It's because it's gotta be the critical reviews and yeah. we're seeing this. I'm not saying this is a good movie. I actually haven't seen don't worry, darling, but we're seeing so, sort of similar outside elements factoring into people's approach to um, don't worry, darling with the Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles ridiculousness, um, which by the way, I'm mad at because it's affecting Chris Pine's newest movie. And that guy's not getting enough movies. Um, enough good movies uh and so uh it's it's like that does affect how many people see the movie and when disney didn't see the returning dividends it effectively killed the entire opportunity in the near future to get one-off star wars movies we might get them now but they're going to be in the form of direct to streaming on disney plus um which I mean, they're going to think, why do that when we can just do a series? And and I'm and frankly, I'm enjoying the series. So that's that's fine in that way. But uh, Disney is still f afraid to move forward in the universe. We will get like the Mandalorian feels so new, but it does take place in the past. <laughs> like it's not, you know, like Rise of Skywalker is the last thing in you know, uh, in the thing. And it's funny too, because Tad, you mentioned Last Jedi was your least favorite. And I know you haven't watched Rise of Skywalker. I, I feel like for me, it's sort of in many ways, the most similar to Rogue One. It's not fun. It's all war, but it's not particularly well-crafted war for me. Um, and I'm not, I actually don't mind The Last Jedi. There are, there are issues with it. And I think those issues actually led to bigger problems in Rise of the Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker. But we'll talk about that in the future. Um, don't get me started now i know i, I know uh well you can't you haven't seen rise of skywalker yet we'll talk about no it. no 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 no, no. Uh, i don't we'll need to see that. rise of skywalker because i can you do. go on, on forever i'll tell you about i'll tell you why I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you why after <laughs> after the uh after after we air but okay all right guys so we're gonna move to recommendations here mandy do you recommend solo a star wars story from 2018 if so why and to who it would like we said really fun it's much more in the vein of the original star wars so if you have been putting off seeing this because you're sick of all the other crap that they've been putting out for Star Wars, like this would, I would say like of what's available, like this would be a good one to sit down and watch. Here you right, go. Fair My enough. recommendation. I, uh, so I also recommend Solo. I actually, next to the original trilogy, this is far and away my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, I, it's also, 
yes, it's open-ended because we know that Han Solo does many other things later on in life. Um, it does wrap up and it has this really great mix of Western. It's like Star Wars has become enough of a thing since it's a cultural, you know, landmark at this point that it's instead of whereas Star Wars referenced Westerns and, uh, you know, Japanese films like Rashomon and uh, some war movies and the hero's journey, etc. Solo references Westerns and Star Wars. It's its own thing at this point enough to reference itself. Um, and it works. And I really enjoyed that. And it's also a heist movie, which is always, I mean, there's a reason heist movies are successful. It's a plot device structure that really works most of the time. It gives you a lot of entertaining moments. So even if you're weak on narrative, you can, you can succeed based on character. Uh, so it can, characterization rather so it can help you with things like that uh so i recommend solo i actually think if you don't really if you're not that into star wars or maybe you're one of those people who really never watch star wars because they do exist um watch solo i actually think it's a really fun introduction and it's not a trilogy it's a movie you can enjoy by watching it once and much like a tv show where you watch like the first pilot or the first double part episode and you're like ah dang it i was i'm hooked i wasn't planning on being hooked you probably will be hooked and you'll go watch the original trilogy and blah blah blah, 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 blah. all that stuff and then you might might be a big fan and then you can watch Rogue One and argue with me. Um, so I recommend it. Tad, would you recommend Solo, a Star Wars story from 2018? If so, why and to who? I would, even at this point where I am uh, with, the, with, with, with Star Wars in general and my feelings on it. If you are one of those people who bowed out somewhere along the sequel trilogy and went, you know what, I'm done. Or, you know, I just don't feel like it. Maybe you never even got back on the wagon. Honestly, I think this is probably one of the better jumping on points. The Mandalorian's kind of like the cheat way of getting back on because it's so disconnected uh, until it's not disconnected. Right. But the writing, even though in some places I would even argue call it, to call it mediocre, it does enough to uh, bring back some of that old stuff. Like if you're an old Star Wars fan, I mean, old, like I'm the oldest Star Wars fan. I'm not, the, I'm more like the mid-tier in terms of age mm -hmm. but if you're if, if you're if you're an old school star wars fan that liked some of the old adventure serialized sort of vibe that it had back then especially in the 80s and 90s this is a great callback give it a shot like if you if you if you boycotted star wars after the last jedi if you just was like you know what i'm out i i am actually imploring you to watch it you may change your mind strong strong words from an ex-mormon for jesus uh <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening uh to these these holiday star wars episodes we will of course be back with more star wars in the future as well as many other things i we have some super cool super unusual films um both legendary classic cult films that are are not well known and also uh some new stuff too that is worth it even for people like me who prefer old things uh definitely check it out to uh play us out will be the chud but make sure you really review recommend us to friends give us all the stars all that jazz and send your recommendations and hate mail to colton classic podcast at gmail.com or info at colton classic films.com thanks so much hope you guys have a great great uh holiday
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.